listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Here are your hosts, Daniel and Golnaz. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of ESL Talk.、Um, today's topic is all about the importance of organization and how it can be helpful for both ESL teachers and students learning English. And today we will be joined by Robin, an educator and student who needs a lot of organization skills to help her be successful as a learner, a teacher, and much more. So, to start today's episode, let me ask you, Daniel, is organization a mindset, an approach, or an idea? Aha,、uh-huh. I think you know this is a trick question. It is all three of them. I think you already can predict <laughs> this.、Um, organization is definitely a mindset in the sense that. You have to have a list, a checklist in your head of what you need to do on a set day.、Um, if this connects to us as teachers,、um, we need to know who we're teaching, our students, what kind of lessons we're teaching them, what time we're teaching them, what homework we gave them. So that's the mindset, definitely. And having that way of thinking is really useful. I mean, every day I have a checklist of my meetings, my, you know, my meetings with students, my meetings with colleagues, and You know, students that I teach, so it's definitely a mindset in that sense. An approach again, we have to be organized in everything that we do.、Um, if we're delivering lessons to students, and if students are paying for those lessons, then they need to know that the teacher is organized, the lessons organized, the contents organized, and so on.、Um, if you're not organized in your approach, that'll translate into your teaching, and students might not be satisfied or happy with the lesson they receive, which makes sense. You know, we've got to be professional, and, and I think professionalism and, and organization are, are very closely linked.、Um, organization as an idea,、um, again, yes, you know, be, be that example, show that organization is helpful.、Um, I, I'll never forget when I was in high school,、um, my science teacher once told me if you fail to plan, then you should plan to fail. And that's always stuck with me, and I would agree with that as well that you know, if you're not organized, it makes things a lot more difficult for sure. Definitely. And、uh, considering our role as teachers, why do you think it is important for teachers to promote the value of organization to their students? Yeah, it's, I'm just, I'll just expand a little bit on, on what I just said before because they're kind of linked. But、um, without organization, 
it's very difficult to achieve your goals. So as a teacher, if I'm not organized in achieving my goals, then my students are not going to reach their goals. They're not going to pass the course or get the score that they need or learn the skills that, that they need. So I always try to promote the organization to students through checklists. I think checklists are wonderful ways to keep organized. Um, did you do this? Yes or no? Um, also, when I'm evaluating and grading students in using a rubric, um, I'll give them a, a rubric or a, a method of, of assessing them. So then again, students can see, did you do this? Yes or no? Check yes, check no. It's very clear. It's very transparent. Um, and I think if students can see the value of that, then they can set to put that into their own learning and their own um, teaching as well. Because if our students know that the teacher is organized, you know, their lessons have a purpose, they're, they're learning things, then they're going to have that approach that, okay, I need to be ready for my lesson. I need to be organized. I need to do my homework. I need to ask the right questions and so on. So I think organization in a teacher breeds organization in a student. Um, does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I can ask you thinking about these ideas. Do you think we can learn organization? I mean, your experience as a student or a teacher, do you think you've learned those skills? Um, I believe that, uh, of course, you can learn organization. Maybe some people are born with some skills and they, you know, they do some things naturally and they are naturally organized from the beginning, maybe. But I'm sure uh, no matter what and no matter how much or organized you are, you can always improve. You can always develop your skills and you can always get better. You can always, uh, you know, learn to use new tools, learn to use new strategies. Of course, it is something that we can learn. And if we think that if we lack in organization we can you know try to find the root problem and address it absolutely yeah I, i think that's really important again identifying those areas where you need to improve and need to you know get better and because we can all try to be as organized as we want but life happens you know things happen you know you you have families you have jobs you have other priorities that that go ahead of, of sometimes learning so it does make a lot of sense so let's try to bring this to um, a scope of english learning and learning english or even teaching english how can these organized organizational strategies connect to english learning and english teaching goalness well as someone who has learned english as a second language um i've had many different uh, experiences with this and i've seen it like visibly i've seen that um having some strategies in addition to organizational strategies does help and does change the way that you learn English. Um, if uh, you enjoy uh, the whole learning process and uh, the whole uh, English learning process, um, that's good. That's something necessary because I believe that in order to be able to learn something, you have to like it. You have to have some you know, interest in the topic. But If you have that, that basic, uh, um, you know, foundation for, uh, to learn English, organizational strategies can help you um, um, divide uh, your what you need to learn and uh, into different uh, small pieces, and then be able to manage them and be able to, you know, uh, cover them step by step. Also. Uh, when learning a language, you know, learning a language doesn't happen with, you know, by taking one or two courses, for example. It's something that goes on um, through time and it needs time, it needs practice. It, you know, it kind of becomes a part of your life. So 
if it is going to become a part of your life and if you are going to start experiencing with it and you are going to um, do homework, study and enjoy the whole process, you must have some strategies to um, make you organize and to know what you need to learn, what uh, you have to learn and how you need to learn because people learn differently. Yeah, that question of why is crucial. And, you know, as learners, especially English learners, we need to be able to develop our skills. And we can do that through asking those questions. Why? How come? You know, what exactly? And, and we can expand a lot more. So I would definitely agree with that. Exactly. And now let me ask you, Daniel, um, about uh, teachers. Uh, how can teachers teach these uh, organizational strategies uh, to help benefit students? Yeah, that's a great question. I think from an English student perspective, if we're teaching our English students, um, first of all, we can use it in the language. So students who are learning English, who are starting to you know, get comfortable or start to build their English skills, we can teach organization in the language that we use. So we, can, we call it signposting or um, you know, organizational cues, things like that, where we can say basically, firstly, secondly, thirdly, in conclusion, and so on. So we can start to build it into the language that we teach students. Um, another way to do it is visually. So when we're teaching students concepts or ideas or readings, maybe, we can break it down step by step. In the first paragraph, in the next paragraph, in the third paragraph, in the last paragraph. Okay, great. That's helping me. So we're teaching organization through learning English in the first instances. And um, another way as well is if we're looking for details in readings or details when we're, um, you know, speaking or, or reading or writing with students is, you know, where is this detail? Um, give me another detail. Also, furthermore, additionally, so we can use it through language, first of all. Signposting as well is really important for students' listening skills and also their speaking skills. So if I can indicate exactly what I'm saying to a, a, a teacher or another student or to um you know, a stranger on the street, then that's again going to benefit. So organizational strategies in terms of the linguistic approach is the first one. Um, within the actual teaching of students, students can benefit through seeing visuals. So what I always try to do when I'm teaching is make something visual for students. So what's the first step for this assignment? And what's the second step? And what's the third step? And what's the fourth step? So again, something that seems huge and very difficult can be broken down into small chunks. If you're not sure, you can go back a step. If you've done that step, you can move on to the next one. So I think as teachers, we should break things down for students. Um, instead of saying, write an essay about this topic. Well, that could be really difficult for some students. So instead, we might say, okay, write 300 words on this topic. Okay, let's identify the topic first. What exactly do these words mean? How can we break it down into small chunks? Okay, we got the words. Um, next step, let's organize the writing. How many paragraphs should we do? Should we do three or four or five? Okay, roughly how many words per paragraph? What um, organizational language should I use to connect the paragraphs? So again, if you just you know, break things down, it's much easier for students to digest and they can get into that habit and into that routine because organization is really, really important for English learners, um, 
especially in writing, especially in speaking. Reading, it's a little bit easier because they're reading a text, so they, it's already organized for them. Um, and then in listening as well, identifying these these keywords, these um, signposting words, these organizational um, cues and, and language will also help them as well. But mostly, the last thing I'm going to say, long-winded answer, um, again, just through your teaching, through your um, approach with students, you know, showing them, explaining to them why organization is important, why it's going to help them to be successful, why it's going to help them not only in learning a language, but also in life and academically, I think is, is really crucial. So Golnaz, what are some strategies that you've used to help, help keep yourself organized? Well, you know, for me, organization is something that I'm not too obsessed with it, but I also cannot live without it. So it's like whatever I want to do, whether it's teaching, whether it's studying, whether it's other aspects of personal life, um, it's like a road that I'm going to uh, step into and uh, you know, I can give you this um, example of like, imagine that you're uh, driving a car and then you want to enter a road. And if your headlights are off, um, you cannot see where you're going. And then if you cannot see uh, like a kilometer further, uh, it's, it's, you know, imagine like it's too foggy and you cannot drive on the road. It, it will uh, create a big challenge for you and it will just, it may uh, make you stop. So for me, uh, organization is those headlights that are on and also that um, perspective, that wide perspective on the future and on the um, the different destinations that I'm going to uh, reach. So I usually try to use this um, mind map um, that, that helps me uh, uh, create let's not say goals but like uh, small destinations and small points that I'm going to reach and uh, in order to reach each point A, B, C I try to plan and I try to um, use different tools sometimes digital tools these days especially I'm using different digital tools like the uh, most basic and the easiest thing to use is for example uh, Google Drive to have everything organized you know you have the organ everything organized in your head but you also have to apply it somewhere um, to you know make it visible for you to have to make that mind map visible so this is what I generally do and it applies to my teaching it applies to my studying uh, it applies to everything that I usually do every day uh, another thing that I do is that I try to uh, have a look uh, back you know I, I just turn back and take a look on what I have done and how I've done different things so far and I try to you know evaluate myself to see uh, where my weak points are or where I have not been able to perform well and then I use uh, an another strategy to you know to make up for that and to get more organized in that way and it is not really easy but you know um when you get into it and you try to practice and you try to um, expand your comfort zone, uh, you little by little get the hang of it. And um, I want to also ask you about this, Daniel. What strategies uh, do you use to help you organize? Yeah, um, you talked about that analogy of driving the car without the lights on. One analogy that I always use is when you go to the supermarket and you go shopping. Um, 
If you have a list of the things you need to buy, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, it's going to be so much faster and quicker to get what you need because you're organized. You can save time. You can just go exactly to where you need to go. Um, if you don't have a list, it's going to take you more time. Maybe you want to browse and look around and take more time. That's fine, but it's not the most efficient way. Um, strategies that I use, um, I use different planners. So I'll have kind of post-it notes for little ideas and thoughts. Um, I'll have kind of a sticky note on my desktop of things I need to do um, that are kind of more immediate. And then I'll also have um, a calendar, Google Calendar open with all my meetings and all my appointments across all the different roles. Um, so those are the main things that I use to keep me organized. As well as that, I use alarms on my phone with little labels. So instead of an alarm going off and I forget why, it's, I can kind of go into different um you know, labels and I know this is for this, this is for this and so on. So those are a few different strategies that I use. Um, but it's really important, I think, as well to, like you said, look back and think, okay, what did I do last week? Um, what am I doing this week? And then you can see that progress and you can see, especially in learning, you can see you know, what you're doing well and what you still need to work on as well. Definitely. And um, how does organization uh, link to well-being and physical and mental well-being, Daniel? Because we've covered different aspects of how organization mm -hmm. affects our lives. But what about the um, uh, what about our overall well-being? How does that link with organization? Yeah, it's it's really important as well to you know, take time for yourself to relax and to rest because sometimes we push ourselves so much and we want to be super organized. You want to be super efficient. So we think I've got to do 10 things. I've got to do all these things on the list. That's really unhealthy and it can cause you know, a lot of issues for us. And we've all, we've all done it. We push ourselves too hard. We try to do too much and, you know, our body tells us, Hey, can you need to stop? So I think it's important to prioritize things and realize, you know what, I maybe I have 10 essays to mark for my students, but maybe I can't mark all 10 today. Um, so, you know, I, I, in that situation, I know sometimes we have deadlines and things, but I think if you're honest with yourself and you're honest with your students and just say, you know, if, I'm really sorry, I've had a very busy day, they'll be ready as soon as I can. I think students will usually understand that um, as long as you communicate with them. Um, in terms of, you know, your own physical well-being as well, You know, a lot of us are kind of chained to our desks and chained to our computers when we're teaching or when we're um, learning even. So it's really crucial to take five minutes, 10 minutes um, every hour to get up, move around, go outside, open the window, look outside or talk to a family friend or relative or husband, wife, whatever it might be, just to kind of take your mind off it. Because um, that will help you to refocus and to help you be organized. Of course, we don't want to um, we don't want to procrastinate too much, but of course, um, you know you have to have that balance. So I think knowing yourself it's really important, and knowing your strengths and weaknesses, um, and kind of listening to your body and listening to when you are tired when you do need a rest, um, taking that rest. Definitely. Thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing that. And um, now we are going to wrap up the first part of our uh, episode today and we are going to get ready for the next portion, which is our interview with Robin. Stay tuned. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, everyone, welcome to today's interview. Today we have Robin joining us um, for this portion of the podcast. Hello, Robin. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so again, we're talking all about the topic of organization today. So Robin, if you can start off just by telling us a little bit about what you do, not only as a student, but also in terms of teaching and helping others. Mm, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so I am still currently a student. I'm a third year education major minoring in English and special education, but I also do teach in a wide variety of settings. So I do spend quite a bit of time in elementary schools, but uh, perhaps more directly related to what your question is getting at uh, is I've worked with my university's learning commons as a part-time teacher and student support. Um, and I work with students to create applicable functional study skills at that, that work well with their life. Um, I also have tutored quite a few ESL and ELL students. Um, and uh, yeah, particularly with essay writing. And a few years ago, I was also involved in a program that spent uh, English speaking practice videos to English language, English language learners in China. Wonderful, such such great experience. I, I, I'm really excited to learn about that, Robin. So uh, more related to today's uh, topic and the importance of organization, why do you think it is important for both students and teachers to be organized when it comes to studying? Mm. For students, I think that organization is a key piece in studying well. But for teachers, I think that organization is more important in order to help your students study well. And so to set set your students up for success. Um, so for students particularly, when you take the time to organize what you're studying and how you're studying, um, and the how piece is just as important, it truly can make studying less stressful and less overwhelming. Um, and when I work with students, university students in particular, it's saddening to hear how anxious students are around the amount of work they do and 
the amount or how little time they have to do it. Um, and I find that having a practical awareness of organizational tools can help ease that burden and help bring them more peace of mind. Um, and for teachers, like I said, it really does make learning easier study. Uh, it makes learning easier for students and makes, makes studying so much easier uh, because you can have amazing content, but if it isn't delivered in an organized manner, it really can be confusing and overwhelming. Um, and like students can really tell when a teacher is well organized um, and it just makes for a better overall learning experience. Definitely, it works both ways. Mm -hmm. And um, what are your experiences with these strategies uh, to be organized and to get organized or to even help mm -hmm. students get organized? Yeah, so I've personally always been quite an organized person, but once I started university, I really realized how important it is to be intentional with that. So just having an organized personality doesn't always cut it. You have to really put... Um, time management strategies into place and really um, look at your assignments and plan when are you going to do them, how are you going to do them, where are you going to do them, and just being intentional and consistent with that are two big pieces of being successful in your studies and also being able to enjoy your life outside of studies so you're not spending every waking moment hitting the books. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, actually. <laughs> yeah, some great advice there, Robin. Thank you so much. Um, so when it comes to English students specifically, what are some strategies that English students can use to help them improve their learning efficiency? Hmm. I think one of the things that often gets missed is taking the time to really find out how you learn best and how you study best and not necessarily just following what other people are doing or following um, trends that kind of come in and out and really taking the time to learn, are you a morning person? Are you an evening person? Do you study better in bigger chunks or smaller chunks? How often do you need breaks? Um, and so really learning how to listen to your body and not trying to force, um, force yourself to do something um, where your brain is just not having it. So if like, in my own personal experience, um, if I've tried to um, sit down and force myself to do an assignment when my brain is just, it's not quite there, it's been a long day, it takes me longer to do that assignment than had I just taken a 15 minute break, gone out for a quick run and then come back and gotten it done. So if, if you don't take those breaks and you don't listen to um, the way that you personally thrive, with studying, uh, then it can just make it a lot harder. So really work with your with your brain on that because your your brain's an amazing tool, but each brain is different and each brain will, will take information in differently and process it differently. So you really have to respect that and learn how to do that. And I think once you learn how you function best, it really makes all the difference and it can make learning so much more efficient, which is something that I think we all want. <laughs> Absolutely, without a doubt. We, we're all striving for efficiency as teachers, as students, and as English learners. So Robin, would you agree that organization can actually help our students to be more successful? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, although I do think it is worth mentioning that organization can only go so far, because at some point, you still do have to sit down and do the work, where if you have this beautifully laid out plan of how you're going to do your work and you can have all the organizational tools lined up and it can be just 
picture perfect. But if you don't actually sit down and do it, if you don't follow through, then there's no point. Then like there's there's no point in having done any of that work and and having prepped any of that because at the end of the day, you're not getting the work done. Um, so uh, I, I firmly believe though that when done right, organization can be a catalyst in learning. So it's not necessarily the product, it's not the end result, but using organizational tools can help in the process of creating that end product and creating it more efficiently. Going back on um, efficiency, it's uh, organization is a tool that can just help boost efficiency. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and it's really refreshing to hear it as well, um, you know, from you as well. So let's look at the other side of this. Where can our students start to lose focus quickly and become disorganized, especially when it comes to maybe homework assignments or um, something they have to prepare? What are the, the, the motives and what is it that helps students or makes students lose focus quickly and become disorganized? So in my own experience, both as a student and as a teacher, um, students start to disengage when things become too complicated or too overwhelming. Um, so in terms of complication, if you introduce a student to even an organizational system, like if it's even if you're even if the intention is trying to help the student, if it's overly complicated, then that's just a hindrance and that's not helping. And so when when things become too complicated, students tend to check out because then it's too much effort and it's too much, too much effort for what it's worth. The reward and what you're getting out of it is not worth all the effort that you're putting into it. So complication is one of the things. The other thing that I find is when things become too overwhelming. And often this is when a student looks at the mountains of work that they have to do for each class or for, for whatever they're doing in their lives. And, and they take a step back and look at just the sheer amount that they have to do and the, the amount of time that they have to do it in. It can be really, really overwhelming. So instead of leaning into that and putting the organizational tools that they have in place and instead of breaking it down course by course or day by day or assignment by assignment, they tend to freak out, look at it all as a big mountain of one thing and then it just, then they disengage and then it's just chaos after that because you know they just they don't they don't take the time or they don't um think through okay this seems like a lot but if I break it down then it's much more manageable and I actually can get it done um yeah so to sum up um or um complication and when students are feeling overwhelmed those are the the two main things that I've seen and experienced as well yeah, I, I've got it. And I, I agree. It's even the same for me, I think, you know, and I'm sure Golnaz, you can attest to that as well. When things I are too complicated. Agree. <laughs> I exactly. Sorry. I yeah. agree with everything that you've been saying so far, like 200% because <laughs> I'm also studying for masters and also teaching. I totally understand that. Yeah. Complexity, Thank you for sharing is, that. <laughs> complexity is really, really difficult to avoid as a teacher, but sometimes things are complex. It's how you break that down and how you present that information. So yeah. continuing that, that theme of learning, then what's the importance of planning for learning new skills or languages such as English? Why is it important to be organized in the planning of that? Mm. So I would, I would actually add a little caveat to that. I, I think that planning is undoubtedly important, but again, if it isn't done well, then I think it's practically useless. Um, 
So if you spend time planning, but you're not planning in a way that is helping you and is, is making your learning, um, is helping your learning and instead it's becoming a hindrance, then you need to change the way that you're planning. Um, and yeah, practice makes perfect. So I think that's another, another key piece um, because whether you're learning language or math or whatever you're doing, you need to set aside time for that. Um, so make sure you're giving yourself enough time to sit with the material, to practice it, to try teaching it to someone. Um, because if you only do something in one night, as soon as you hand it in or take the test, or if you've cram studied or rushed the assignment, as soon as that pressure is off of you, you're gonna forget absolutely everything. And I can attest to this as a student, the amount of times that I have cram studied. And then as soon as the test is done, I walk out of that room and I, could not remember a thing. But especially with language, when you think of how, um, how language is built up um, and how you learn a language, you learn the foundations, but, and you, you're constantly building on previous knowledge. If you're always doing that, if you're always cram studying and you're always rushing to get assignments done, then it's really going to make learning a language or learning anything for that matter so much harder on you because you're still spending time, like you're, you still do have to study, but the quality of time and how much time that you sit with the material, um, that really does affect the later results. So planning can really help yourself down the road. You're not just helping yourself now to do well on a test, um, but you're also helping your future self uh, when you have to look back on past, past assignments or past um, concepts that you learned, if you've really planned to take the time and digest that information, it's so much, so much better just all around. Definitely, definitely. You should not let the whole process of learning become too mechanical. I agree mm -hmm. with you. So, um, Robin, how do you balance your time effectively between learning and teaching duties? Hmm. Um, so for me personally, I don't find... Um, that balancing teaching and learning duties all that difficult because both of those things are academic duties that I have to do. So whether it's a teaching job or tasks related to my own, uh, own schooling, I still have to set aside that time that we were talking about um, and determine how I'm going to tackle those tasks. So the approach to teaching and learning for me is essentially the same. Um, the bigger balancing act that I find a little bit more difficult is striking an effective balance between my academic duties, so that's teaching and learning, my work duties, and still having a fulfilling life in the midst of that. Um, so what I've learned with much trial and error um, is that I can't engage my brain when I'm physically worn out. So for example, if I come home from an eight-hour shift, the last thing that I want to do is plan an engaging lesson for my students or write a masterfully written essay for an English class. Um, so to accommodate that on days that I work or have particularly long shifts, I don't plan to get any academic work done on that day. Um, and this is a tactic that doesn't always work for everyone. Um, blocking off complete days is sometimes extreme for, but that's what I found helpful for me is that I, I kind of, I chunk my time. So I, I go, okay, this day is for work. This day is for teaching. This day is for learning. 
Um, and if I can squeeze in little assignments here and there in the days, then that's great. But I, I try not to put too much pressure on myself to be super, super productive on days that I know I'm going to feel worn down by the end of the day. That's a great piece of advice. Thank you. And you've already shared a lot of great, uh, useful advice. Thank you for that. But I also want to ask you about um, new teachers. What advice would you give to new teachers uh, to help them effectively organize their workload and their schedules? Hmm. Yeah, so for advice for new teachers, it is a little bit tricky for me just because while I do have quite a bit of teaching experience, uh, I still am a student and I still am in the process of of learning all those techniques and learning best practice. So I definitely do not consider myself any kind of expert on this. Uh, but from my own experience, putting boundaries around when you work and how long you work um, can really be effective in preventing burnout. Um, because if you wear yourself down physically, then your abilities as a teacher will also diminish and then your students will suffer from that. Um, so just, yeah, being mindful, um, with again, how, when you best work or how you best work um, and being mindful about the strategies that serve you. And if something isn't serving you, then you need to change it. If it doesn't serve you, it doesn't serve others. It cannot serve others mm -hmm. from your side either. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, if you're not invested in something yourself, how are you gonna get others invested in it? It makes, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, exactly. so, so just one final question for you, Robin, um, related to this topic of organization. What's one thing that you wish you knew before you started studying and working with students? Maybe what's one thing you thought, oh, I wish I knew this before I got involved or I started this? Mm, that's, that's, a, that's a very good question. Um, I think a, a really big thing for me is being realistic um, and giving myself grace when I don't always measure up to the standards that I've set for myself. Um, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And that's something that I always, I always keep in mind. And it's kind of tucked away in the back of my head because um, it is important for me to be realistic with the goals that I set for myself. But even so, we're all human and we all make mistakes. We all are going to have unproductive days, just times when we just don't feel like doing anything and times that we don't measure up to the expectations that we set for ourselves. Um, and that's something that I am, I have had trouble with because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So when I don't um, perform to the standard that I set for myself, then I, um, I tend to get, I, I'm disappointed or I'm hard on myself. So being able to reflect on that and go, okay, maybe that wasn't a realistic goal that I set for myself. How can I change that and make it better for just my own learning experience and just my experience in general? How can I make this better? Um, and then also just having the piece of just giving yourself grace and knowing that you're not always going to perform at peak performance. That's just not, that's not a realistic goal. Um, yeah. So It's been, it's been a learning curve, but I've been really grateful for all the experiences that I've had that have brought me to the realization that I do need to be realistic and also be patient with myself. I think that's great advice that all teachers and, and all students should take on board as well. So thank you so much for sharing that, Robin. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It's been really fun. Yeah, it was really a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing all of these beautiful um you know, your experience, your advice, everything. Thank you so much for that. 
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the interview today. Thanks, as always, for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ESL Talk Podcast. And if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is esltalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.